in an endless time loop. We could have been trapped here for hours, days, maybe years. Unable to remember the past. How did it happen? How did we get there? A starship collision lies dead ahead. We have to get out of here now. Can the crew escape their own destiny? Casualty reports coming in from all over the ship. Or will time tick towards their final hour? All hands abandon the ship! On Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me, tying bows in our hair, drinking out of novelty shot glasses, and getting ready to go to bed are Adam Bowen, Emily Bowen Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. We're excited to continue our series recapping episodes of Star Trek that deal with time travel. Welcome to Strange New Takes. We're excited to continue our series recapping episodes of Star Trek that deal with time travel. Welcome to Strange New Takes. We're excited to continue our series recapping episodes of Star Trek that deal with time travel. And this time there's going to be a big thunder explosion as I welcome you to Strange New Takes. We're excited to continue our series recapping episodes of Star Trek that deal with time travel. You know what's funny is that every time you said that, your Zoom switched so we were seeing you from a slightly different angle. So oh, Ruski yeah. Was clear. <laughs> I was trying to give us four different opportunities to have the scene play out. So uh-huh. um, we're going to be uh, focusing on the episode Cause and Effect, which is from the fifth season of The Next Generation. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media. That's at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and make sure to tell your friends about the pod and also uh, force yourself and also them to give us five-star ratings on uh, Apple iTunes, which I think is called Apple Podcasts now. Uh, And maybe you're supposed to follow us instead. So we'll see how things go. So uh, join (laughs) us into the future as we change the names of all things related to what we're supposed to be doing. And... If you have not watched Star Trek The Next Generation's fifth season, this is your spoiler warning because this is the 18th episode of that fifth season that we're about to talk about. It was aired in on 23rd March 1992, which is a while back, but who knows, maybe you're late, a latecomer to Star Trek and would like to catch up. Either way, just know that if you, if you listen to this before you watch Cause and Effect, we're going to spoil it. Also, generally, we tend to just spoil a lot of stuff in Star Trek as a whole, so just be aware of that. Consider yourself warned. Spoiler warning, the ship explodes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) In the first 30 seconds. (laughs) Right. Uh, uh, Snape kills Dumbledore. (laughs) What? (laughs) All right. Um, So, as as I just mentioned, uh, no, it's not a time loop. I'm about to say this is an episode we're going to discuss cause and effect. The fifth, the eighteenth episode of the fifth season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> it was written by Brandon Braga. It was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Uh, and we usually start our episodes of our podcast with our strange new takes. So, which one of you have got a strange new take for me, crew? Hey, you know what? My strange new take is a PSA. If you haven't been vaccinated. Go get vaccinated. I currently live in one of the major hotspots in this country where the Delta variant is running rampant. Our hospitalizations are on the rise. People are not wearing masks, even though we only have a 35% vaccination rate. And I don't even think that's a full vaccination rate. I think that's 35% of people who've had at least one shot. So we've got all these unvaccinated people running around without masks, not practicing social distancing. And it's just a recipe for disaster. So people, please take this seriously and go get a vaccine. They're free and available to you in a multiple selection of locations. So... And oh, I was supposed to do one for the uh, for the podcast too, huh? I just realized that multiple selection of locations was a dumb line, so I'm not as stupid as I sound. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my strange new take for the episode is, um, well, what would my strange? Oh, my strange new take for the episode would be 
that I maybe I should start drinking a little cordial before I go to bed at night. I don't know if it would <laughs> help my sleeping, but that and also I wonder if I were to wear a little uh, bow that matched my PJs, if that would also help my hair get thicker because it seemed like Beverly's hair got bigger and bigger and bigger as the episode went on. So time was technically going past so you know without them realizing it so maybe maybe the hair is the common theme that's how they realize <laughs> yeah. her hair is growing <laughs> something's happening here <laughs> well um yeah i i i guess my strange new take is just that i am always surprised by how poorly i deal with the heat i grew up in a country which is very warm very humid and i don't remember a single moment in my childhood where i was like hmm it's hot or like hmm it's humid it was more like just like the weather was just the background of my life right like i didn't i don't actually actually like actively remember acknowledging the heat or the humidity and now here the temperature hits like half of what it was probably like in india and the humidity is high and i'm just like oh god how do people live like this and this happens every year. So it just makes me wonder, like, the hu- human humanity is so adaptable. And we, 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 we forget uh, the sort of prior circumstances of our lives so easily. Uh, but uh, according to this episode, my, my stage take very similar to yours, Emily, which is that if I want to have, like, a somewhat slightly flirty conversation with somebody that I'm just, like, slightly somewhat flirting with, I'm going to put on my loungewear that kind of looks like my workwear and then walk past everybody in the main room of my work to go into my <laughs> private little office. That's where I have my, like, flirty late night conversations with my friends. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's an excellent uh, excellent advice. I I I did really recently just uh, get my first uh, set of sweatpants, so uh, I I can probably start enjoying that life as well. Uh, so I can't believe you just said sweatpants while it's like hot and humid outside. That made me oh, that just made me sweat. You it, saying the word yes, sweatpants? I, I mean, <laughs> it, it was a poor choice to buy it like after 90% of the days were already gone for this part of the year for where I could wear them. But yeah. So uh, for the episode though, the, uh, I, I, I don't know. There's, I, I'm, I'm into these episodes of, of TNG where it's like, okay, that the science kind of doesn't make sense. And we're just going to have time travel. Like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a time loop? We don't, like time loops are cool. We don't we don't necessarily need to know that it's Dekion emissions and all that stuff that's doing it. What is a Dekion emission anyway? <laughs> <laughs> is that different than a tachyon pulse or a tachyon emission? I mean, the first time they said it, I thought that they said tachyon and that the the subtitle was incorrect. But then they just kept saying Dekion, so I'm like, okay, yeah. this is a new thing. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna now look this up. I didn't. I you know, shame on me. I didn't look this up before. Uh, okay, and all of the all of the stuff is that comes up is is Star Trek Star stuff. Trek. So I don't think it's real. <laughs> there are no tachyons. Are tachyons on. real? Tachyons aren't real either. Uh, no, tachyons are real. Well, it, okay. it, they're real in a way that it is a real concept that someone has said, but I don't know that there's okay. like because they they're theoretical particles that go faster than the speed of light. So, like, that's that doesn't sound real to me, but. It's, it's at least not from Star Trek. Okay. All right. Well, uh, here's a summary of this episode from Memory Alpha. The destruction of the Enterprise near a distortion in the sta- space-time continuum causes a temporal causality loop to form, trapping the ship and crew in time and forcing them to relive the events that led to their deaths. Now, the thing is, I want to discuss when we discuss the mechanics of the time travel here that it doesn't actually trap the crew in time. It just makes them repeat stuff, but they're actually going forward in time because it's 17 days later at the end of this episode. So technically, they're just getting reset in their lives, but time is continuing to progress, which is also how the Bozeman ends up in the future. But we'll we'll get there when we get there. So um, It's a time travel episode because the Bozeman comes to their time from another time so that makes it a time travel episode right I mean, I, honestly i i kind of ended this episode thinking like wait i i want to see that episode though <laughs> <laughs> well let's actually you know what let's let's jump into the mechanics of time travel first why don't we open with that this week the, okay 
So Adam, you kind of had a take on this just now, which is that they were just kind of deciding to wing it a little bit. Yeah, I I mean, like all all we need is basically a, that the temporal distortion it throws us into a causality loop or or something. Uh, which, uh, if we want to get technical about it, it's uh, the uh, obviously the warp plasma manifolds they rupture within the temporal distortion, which uh, causes to go back in time again. Which also, and since th that causes a, uh, as you all know, a lot of Dekion <laughs> emissions. Uh, which also are known for compressing audio down into a single moment. Uh, that moment is usually when you have a bow in your hair and you're and you uh, you've just finished reading and you're about to go night night. Uh, and but before you so, break the glass, yeah, it, it, it should have been clear to them much earlier that uh, this was a, a classic time loop scenario that they were in. <laughs> well, that was way more technical than I was expecting. Well, you know, so I, something I was wondering when I watched the episode was, um, so we know that our Enterprise crew was trapped in this time loop. And what they say at the end, it was 17.4 days. Like their chronometers mm -hmm. were off by yeah, that amount like of that. time. So they'd been trapped in this loop for, you know, over two weeks. But um, and then you kind of get the feeling that maybe the Bozeman was also trapped in a loop for that long, you know, because they kind of I don't know. But I would suggest that maybe the Bozeman wasn't actually trapped in a loop at all. The Bozeman just hit some weird space time continuum. And when they went through it, it was kind of like the Enterprise C going through in the episode yesterday's Enterprise. And then they crashed into the Enterprise and that caused the explosion that near that st uh -huh. space time continuum. And that's what caused the loop. So then the Enterprise was caught in the loop the whole time. And once they were able to stop the loop, then it was just, oh, hey, Bozeman, you actually are like 100 years in the future. I mean... I, I like this because it doesn't imply that the bull crew of the Bozeman are complete idiots. Because, like, our people, four times they go through this thing and they get fixed it. And these Bozeman people are like, a hundred years later, like, how do, what is happening? <laughs> we can't figure this out. Um, but yeah, it's so this episode, I mean, uh, despite Adam's valiant efforts at, at giving us a technical explanation, <laughs> this episode provides us nothing, right? Like, they don't even just bother. And and this episode was written because Brad and Braga wanted an episode that, uh, that, that didn't have time travel cliches, which, of course, now, after, you know, 30 years, a lot of the stuff in this episode is a cliche now. But, I mean, this sort of time loop was so unknown back then that the viewers of syndicated stations were calling in being like hey something's wrong with your transmission because these viewers are apparently not paying <laughs> enough attention to the episode they just saw the same scene happening over and over and so they were like something's wrong so i think that's important for us to recognize also about this episode that when it happened groundhog day had not been written it hadn't been uh like um in theaters yet so like whereas we think of this stuff as like oh this is like i've seen this happen in many many episodes of tv or whatever it's not it was more original back in the day. You saw it here first on Star Trek, The Next Generation. <laughs> Thursday nights at 5 p.m. on UPN. <laughs> um, but but I, I do, I, I don't know, I struggle, right? Sometimes we've done these episodes and we've been like, oh, it was so easy. We didn't spend too much time on the time travel, like mechanics. So it just like let us like move past it. Here, they don't spend any time on it at all. And I find myself stressing about the mechanics more. I'm just like, I don't understand. Like, can you just give me something? Like, I feel like there's a balance between, like, give me, like, one line of Technobabble where they're like, sure, the Dekion emissions were affecting the trachea of the warp core tachyons, and that made us do this thing for the 17 days. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> warp says that one line, and I'm like, oh, oh that, yes, yes. That's cl clearly, you are correct. I don't need to worry about this anymore. Here, where they don't explain it at all, I'm just like, ah, can you tell what? I don't get it. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, I, um, I, I, do, I do think that that 17.4 day thing is kind of an inconsistency though, because throughout this thing, we, you know, there's that a aspect of those voices being superimposed on top of one another the implication being like that they're all talking at the same time and so you can capture all these voices that are occurring in the same like space in time but if time is actually chronologically progressing 
how does that happen? Like, is there a a little like disruption in the time space continuum where where it's playing the same like couple of hours over and over again but that thing that that disruption is still moving through time itself uh, so uh, notch this is a very uh i this confused me too when i was first learning about uh Dekion related time travel <laughs> but so what what happens is that each loop is only affecting the next loop in terms of those audio transmissions. So okay. the the we are only getting the recordings from the previous one, which are uh, uh, can only be uh, received when you're about to go night night. So okay. the uh, we, the reason we only have one copy of each of those is that it's it can only come from the previous loop. Okay. All right. I will I will accept that and I will move on. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So okay. All right. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the the episode then. And I wanna we're not gonna go quite as chronologically as we've gone previous episodes because it would just be us saying like, oh wow, the second time they played poker was amazing. What about the third time? And anyway, we're not gonna do that. Uh, we're gonna talk about the teaser though. Uh, to start with, which is the, I mean, this is the thing that Diana was complaining about when we when we did a, a few episodes ago. I think with with um episode of enterprise that we did it was name i'm now forgetting twilight twilight mm, where yeah. where earth is destroyed in the beginning and diana says and like, the vampires come right it's it's the cliche yeah. cliche <laughs> team jacob okay right. go ahead uh didn't i do like team charles or something yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm pretty sure you didn't have any idea <laughs> of who anyone Charlie was <laughs> we don't yeah anyway anyway diana said that one of the cliches that really bothers her is that something happens that you know cannot be that like you cannot have earth to be destroyed at the beginning of the like that's not something that's gonna be allowed to stand so you know that time is time travel is gonna be involved and they're gonna go back so and this this is kind of like that where uh, Braga decided at the beginning to have quote unquote the ultimate teaser by having the Enterprise destroyed and basically this was kind of the, there was some conversation where they were like what's going to make people keep watching if the same thing happens over and over and over again like why would people like continue to watch this episode and the stakes of having the ship be destroyed is the thing that makes the viewer want to keep watching like, how do they escape this because it seems very, like a very serious consequence yeah for sure yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think I think it works fine enough for for this episode. I, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if we're going to end up cover, covering it, but I, I think that there are aspects of this that are done a little bit better in the, uh, what is it, the magic to make the sanest man go mad or something like that. I forget exactly what the title of the um, discovery episode is, but uh, I, I think it at least sets up enough tension of like. We, we have to solve this problem like uh, certainly it's bad if the if the enterprise keeps getting destroyed like there, there's there's still the uh a problem we have to solve even if we're not like as worried about like am i never going to be able to see uh captain picard ever again and stuff like that yeah the 19th episode of the fifth season is oh they're all dead <laughs> here's a new crew <laughs> 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 uh, but uh all right let's uh let's let's jump in so this this Episode is essentially written around a few different scenes that occur over and over again, a few different set pieces. And did y'all enjoy that kind of the way it was created like that? I did. I thought it was fun. to. I, I was watching it thinking how fun it must have been as the cast. It kind of felt like how you might feel, you know, when you have to, when you're uh, doing a play because you don't rehearse so much in uh, television um, but you know, if you're doing a play, you get to do the same thing over and over and over again. And so I just thought that was probably fun to do that, but not because there were subtle differences each time the scenes played out. And so I thought that would be fun to do as an actor. Well, and, and I, th I thought was, uh, was also interesting is each time that we go through the loop, we, we sort of, it, it, it's, it's open to, like, initially we're thinking, like, oh, maybe Beverly, for some reason, is the only person who's able to perceive the, the differences. But as time goes on, the other characters start to catch on, too. So it's not just mm -hmm. like a, oh, because this person has this particular, like, something or other that makes it possible for them to perceive that loops are happening. Because uh, if I, that were the case, it would have been Deanna. 
anyway. Sorry, yeah, yeah, ahead. and it, there'd be so much pain that she's feeling uh, <laughs> as she's going between them. Uh, or, or like, Guinan is often the character that can, that mm. notices that there's something wrong uh, or that Q is there or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, the I, I, I thought it was interesting having sort of the open question being like, okay, we're going to go through the same scene. Who is going to notice something different? And why are they going to notice that it's... Or, or, or who's going to notice that there's something weird and why are they going to notice that? Uh, and Picard is the biggest dummy of all because it takes him, like, uh, every single one to notice. He's like, wait, I should probably, like, stop reading this book because uh, I've read it a billion times. Uh, and uh, the... Yeah, I, I, I just... I thought it was a... Um, it's, it's an interesting way to, to make something that should be pretty boring kind of compelling. And and I think that that, I mean, I just want to emphasize the difference there also again, that typically, you know, like Groundhog Day, for example, there's one person who can figure it out. Here mm-hmm. we have everybody kind of at different levels of having figured it out, except maybe Data, who doesn't have memories quote unquote he you know so it's not he's not having the like he needs it like programmed and sent into his subconscious yeah it, that, that is interesting that um because i i think that their usual conceit would probably be like okay data is the only one who can perceive it because he he's a machine and can detect these small variations and whatever uh so i i kind of liked that data was the old, was the odd person out who like could not uh like physically was incapable of perceiving uh, that a time loop was happening. Yeah. Well, uh, let's let's jump into discussing some of the some of the specific set pieces. Um, I'm gonna leave Riker's leg on the console awkwardness <laughs> for a little bit later, so we, we can we can talk about the bird scenes in a little bit. But I, I did think it was kind of interesting that every single time they allowed Picard's. Uh, captain's log to be heard in full like they weren't like cutting it short or anything like that it was the one thing that didn't change right it was exactly the same every single time captain's log stardate five four five six five two point one the enterprise has entered an area of space known as the typhon expanse (laughs) (laughs) also what what i what what is 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 the typhon expanse actually real is is uh does it exist there was so much about this this episode that just made me want to watch like different episodes or different series. I'm like, oh yeah, like Typhon Expanse. It makes me think of season three of of uh, uh, Enterprise, and I I want to watch season three of Enterprise again. That was good, and also The Expanse is a great show. We should go watch that. And yeah. uh, yesterday's Enterprise, like that, I, that's all I thought about it when as we they had the Bozeman come out again. I'm like, yeah. oh, that was a great episode. We should we should do that one. <laughs> I also started thinking about the episode where. Um, it's the one where there's like there's two Picards. Like somehow Picard leaves the ship in a shuttle, finds something out, comes back, and they have to set everything back a certain way. And they start to discover that time actually is advancing because the roots on the plants in Beverly's sick bay have started growing. I don't remember, but I was think I was getting them confused with cause and effect when I was thinking about it until I watched cause and effect. I'm like, oh, that wasn't this episode. It was a different one. So I, I found myself thinking that way too. Um, but so, so then we have the poker game, which was this, this isn't the first time we see poker in Star Trek, right? Or DNG. Is it like we've, we've seen them play poker before? I think so. Uh, yeah. I, I, I remember one of our previous episodes I, that, reading that that was the first introduction of it or something like that. But I, I, I don't uh, remember which one that was. I'm pretty sure it's not this one. Let's see here. Yeah, The Measure of a Man is the first time they're playing poker. Oh, okay. So, yeah, okay. so it's been a, for a lot of the show. Right. So it's an established... Two, right? Yeah, it's an established mm-hmm. thing, with the, which is it's kind of comforting to see them kind of relaxing, and that's where a lot of the action takes place. Well, you know what's kind of cool about how they... Um, how they uh, have the data's shuffling the cards and Riker makes that comment like, you know, data, how do we know that you're not uh, stacking the deck or, you know, and then he actually does in the last scene that yeah. we see because he, they're, tr- you know, he's intentionally trying to get threes to show up and then three of a kind. And so that was kind of cool that there's a little it's kind of a teaser. The first time they show the poker game that gets, yeah. uh, uh, fulfilled or or whatever you know well and, and what's nice about that is that like by the by the like 17th time he says it we're all sick we're like what 
Riker, certainly you know that you've said this before. Like, why do you keep on saying this inane thing every single time? Like, maybe he just begins every single game of poker that way. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was a, that was a good payoff to like finally have that be the thing that that is different with that final t- that uh, final mm-hmm. go around. The the thing also that kind of this is again one of those moments where I think it it it. For me as a viewer coming into this now where I've seen this sort of time uh, loop thing happen in multiple episodes of Star Trek, certainly other shows as well, it was kind of nice not to have Beverly be the only person figuring out the time loop, as I said before. Like having Riker be like, you were going to call, like you were going to call my bluff. And uh, it kind of helped me be like, okay, this is a little bit different. It became a little less cliche, I guess, because of the way that they pulled it off. Well, and then you also start thinking, how many times has this played out before we see the poker game in the first place? Mm-hmm. Because Beverly does know that Riker's bluffing. So then you, I wondered if there was a scene initially oh, where she didn't that's call interesting. Bluff, I have you know, so maybe that. we're maybe we're picking it up, uh, you know, on day fifteen or something or day yeah. Because I I, or, I was thinking about it like that's kind of shitty Riker. Why, why are you like hating on her? Like, I, cause he makes that comment about like better, uh, or like luck's better than skill or something like that. Just, yeah. Like, don't shit on Beverly like that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. uh, maybe it was like truly surprising because she, uh, yeah, it, it was the, the prior knowledge that, that got her to that point. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we take a break here? We're just about at the halfway mark. We'll come back and discuss more of cause and effect. Captain, we're being hailed by the other vessel. Computer identifies it as a USS Bozeman, a Federation starship. Soyuz class. Soyuz class? They haven't been in service in over 80 years. Open a channel. This is Captain Morgan Bateson of the Federation starship Bozeman. Can we render assistance? I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation starship Enterprise. We were just going to ask you the same thing. Captain Picard, your vessel is not familiar to us. Captain, have you any idea what has just happened? Our sensors detected a temporal distortion. Then your ship appeared. We nearly hit you. The Enterprise has been caught up in a temporal causality loop. And I suspect that something similar may have happened to you. Must be mistaken. We left Starbase only three weeks ago. Captain, do you know what year this is? Of course I do. It's 2278. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. Some of you may have been hearing rain and thunder in the background occasionally. That's because Adam lives in the in purgatory where humans go to be judged. And, you know, that sort of situation, you need some, like, <laughs> dramatic, like, you know, stuff happening and some... You know, it, it's it's a barren landscape with rain and thunder every time a new human shows up. It's like <laughs> it, it it certainly beats having a being in a courtroom with Q. So uh, right, I'll accept it. There you go. All right. Well, um, let's continue discussing cause and effect. The we talked about the poker game. There are other um, scenes in Sick Bay and then in Crusher's Quarters, uh, which are kind of pivotal as well. When they have in this in sick bay, so it finally first Crusher is the one that seems to notice, but then Jordy catches on. He's like, "No, I I think maybe I remember mm-hmm. this exam also." And so then they each time they get to that scene, they kind of catch on a little quicker to study yeah. his visor and see what's happening. And isn't that where they make the discovery about the Decaons? Mm-hmm. Is with his visor. Yeah, is and and right? I I think it's also nice that the, this scene they uh, it's like their first bit of subverting where they uh, they're able to like catch this scene early or like know know that this scene is going to happen and so then uh, she's able to predict uh, while still in the poker game that like Jordy's oh, about yeah, to yeah. show up uh, and I, I I thought that that was a um, a good way to introduce like that they they can notice that they're in a loop, but also they have some ability to like predict events that are going to happen beyond just like a, a tiny thing. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun way of um, sort of fleshing out what's going on. Yeah. And then after, were you going to say anything about sick bay? 
Are you damn a sick babe? Well, I was just going to add that Nurse Ogawa finally receives a last name in this episode. Is this the episode that she this gets is her... the episode oh. where Alyssa Ogawa becomes o- Alyssa Ogawa and not just Alyssa. Ah, nice, nice. So that's the only thing I had to add. I was going to say, the scene after this is then in Crusher's quarters. And this one has... I feel like this one has the most variations or... Well, now Sick Bay has variations too, but this one, like you even like the first time, you know, obviously she's in gotta wear her pink bow with her pink PJs <laughs> and her little cordial glass. But um it, it feels like this scene feels like it degrades a lot faster each time they show it, you know, like yeah. the and it's it's also funny, like the glass is just predestined to crash, even though there doesn't even seem to be like so I found that kind of funny the way the glass crashed at well, different can, points. Can can one of you explain that to me? Because I don't understand the significance of the glass always cracking. I don't I don't get it. Oh, oh, okay, so I I, I, I I have a less bullshitty one for this one. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to bring up uh, Dekions, but uh, I th- I think this actually fits in pretty well with. Um, uh, Star Trek 2009 has a similar theory of time travel where that uh, there are sort of these uh, when you have a deviation that there is some ab- amount of correcting that the timeline tries to do. Uh, I don't know if it, that's necessarily the right way to think about it, but uh, that you can have uh, even with a small deviation, you have these parallel events that will probably still happen. So we have things like uh, uh, Chekhov is still born and the Enterprise is still uh, manufactured and it happens on like roughly this date and things like that uh, where the the glass is just one of those things that is very likely to happen and uh, it's uh, just I, I, I don't know it, it's it's an interesting moment of like the, the timeline correcting itself where the, the glass shatters in each instance Especially because it's for different reasons. Like one of the times it's because she goes to hit the the light switch or something or, or something to call a person. Yeah, Another time she, it's because she leaves and she catches it with her. Yeah, because she's, she's very carefully or, trying to prevent the glass from breaking. So she like puts it on the other side of the room and other stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's. Yeah, uh, it feels like a course correcting kind of event or something. Well, in, in the final loop, I believe actually crashes over the intercom. Yeah, yeah, and we, we, don't we hear wonder it. if something we don't bad has it. happened to her. Right. I'm fine. Um the the last time we see her, um, she's not in her PJs anymore. She doesn't even ever change out of her uniform. She stays in the uniform the whole time when she's in her quarters. And she's just kind of agitated and pacing around. And I don't even know if she really does much with the orchids or so that does one was a lot a different. Was she still wearing the bow in that one? I yeah. don't think she was. <laughs> I don't think she did anything like I don't think she did anything to get ready for bed in that one. I think she was just like, we got to figure out what's going on here. There's something weird. And that's the one when she went straight to engineering, I think, mm. without um, going anywhere else or anyway. The yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think there are certain parts of this episode that are difficult to keep track of unless you're actually watching the scene there are some episodes of star trek you can just listen in and it's fine and with this episode i think you have to always be seeing the differences in in what's happening on the screen to pick it up because with the the way that the glass crashes if you're just listening and you hear the glass crash sometimes i don't think it's significant enough that things are happening it's happening a different way each time. I think another area where that's true, and this actually happened to me while I was watching because I'm taking notes. So some of these things I missed until I like went back and looked. I, I try to read the episode summaries to make sure I don't miss anything. I missed some of the times that the number three showed up on the screen because, you know, we talked about uh, how uh, Jordy realizes what's going on and, and mm-hmm. he and Crusher send this uh, modification to Data's... Um, positronic subprocessors to send him this like suggestion through time of like only a few characters so they send the letter three and data is now trying to create the number three around him i missed a bunch of those um i didn't see them because i was taking notes Mm, yeah yeah because the the ones that are coming up to my mind are are mostly like the in engineering he just like starts typing three three, three, everywhere I, I, i can't exactly remember why that that happened it but, wasn't uh, subtle <laughs> yeah yeah right. that one was not subtle but the, there were uh 
I, I'd be interested to see like all the different instances of that. Um, well, do you think they showed in the episode the two thousand and what did he say there were two? How he said it in here somewhere. How many exact? Oh, two thousand eighty-five separate occurrences or conspicuous examples of the number three. <laughs> so they probably yeah. don't have that many that they show. Well, on how the how many of them are uh, on the panel when he makes it have a bunch yeah, of trees exactly. on it? <laughs> So <laughs> that was 2000 of them. So there were 85 more that we need to find. So the suggestion there, though, is that Data is sending this message right before he dies. Because mm-hmm. he wouldn't know to use the number three if he doesn't know Riker's suggestion. And he only knows Riker's suggestion like a few seconds before they explode. So so the message isn't sent when they're working on Data. It's sent when Data is about to like explode. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, he okay. has the he has the little device that's hooked up to his uh Dekion emission thing uh that's on his shoulder that he's he's uh pressing right before he, he explodes. Okay. And we see this on the screen. So this is another thing that I missed by Oh, yeah, 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 yeah that is, that notes. is shown. I see. And so th- there you go. I mean, I you know, I do watch most of my Star Trek. I don't just listen to it, but sometimes I'm writing like little things in my notes and I miss see, this is again. I feel like this is an episode where you have to be watching the screen uh, mm-hmm. and you get a lot more out of it because of that. So let's let's talk about, um, well, I want to talk about the bridge, but let's talk about uh, Picard and Crusher meeting in the in the ready room. Uh, I mean, did anyone else think this was like ridiculously flirty between the two of them? Or was it just me and my shipping heart? Well, it was, I, I think it was the probably whole a lot you and the shipping heart, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the way they were sitting together, the way, you know, what was he getting her hot coffee or hot milk or hot tea or something that his aunt... Whatever, a milk toddy. Milk toddy. Which is a warm beverage mixture of milk and various other ingredients, depending on taste, from Earth. <laughs> that's what they call it? Uh-huh. And that's the description that's interesting. His aunt Adele, who has now been referenced in TNG multiple times, and I think also in Picard. I'm not mistaken. Oh, interesting. Made him, made him uh, that stuff, but yeah. I, I mean, whenever I've hit on people, uh, it's it's usually by uh, giving them my aunt's recipes about stuff. So uh, <laughs> it's a, a a classic one that I learned from Picard. But it is. I mean, honestly, though, I did find the staging of this ex- ex- rather odd because again, she's in her uniform but has the bow. He's wearing his loungewear, and somehow they're on the in the ready room. I know, that's like where you'd have to walk through in order to get yeah, there. He, he has... It would have been less conspicuous if they'd been in one of their quarters. <laughs> yeah, he has quarters. It, although although maybe, it's, maybe it's probably the same set as her quarters, so it might have been a little confusing <laughs> to like have to redo everything every single time. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, and, and it also would have been too sexy to have him in his lounge, his sleepwear, because we, we have that like uh, gigantic deep V that goes on. So, so uh, maybe, maybe what happened is... Crusher to Picard, I need to talk to you about something interesting that's happening to me, Picard. Why don't you come over to my quarters? Uh, I don't think I want to do that, Captain. Why don't we meet somewhere a little where we have a chaperone? All right, how about the bridge? And, you know, like, <laughs> kind of went from there. Is that, is that, um, I, yeah, I, it's, it's just. I'm feeling vulnerable and we might sleep together if I end up in your quarters. So maybe we should meet somewhere <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, it is. It's, I, I did think tonally that scene was a little off compared to the rest of the episode. It was just like the rest of the episode has this like almost tense like cadence. So like boom, 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 boom. It's not like yeah. super thrillery, but it, it does mm-hmm. have that suspense aspect. And this one is just like, why don't we sit on the couch and socialize? Yeah. It, it it also it, it's it's one of those few moments where I like really think like I feel like Picard should be a very busy person like does he really have time to to read this entire like gigantic novel and like this is one of the many that that he's that he's doing I mean they have it takes I'm a sure long have, time to spa- travel places in space yeah so they, they probably they maybe they have excellent work uh, life balance on uh, Federation starships but uh, except for uh, Janeway who never sleeps but. Um, yeah, it, it's because it, when it you're a woman, weird. you have to work twice as hard to get half as much credit. So, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Let's talk about the the bridge, or should we talk about the observation lounge? The observation lounge scenes are pretty pretty procedural. 
Do you know what the thing that stands out to me in the observation lounge is Deanna saying, I didn't perceive anything strange happening when she seems like the most likely one that would be like, I mean, especially when it's hearing voices of people all overlapping, yeah. that just seems like a pretty, pretty standard Troy fair, you know? And so, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought, and, but in some ways, like I thought it was interesting that Beverly was kind of the feature of this episode. You know, it's kind of nice. I mean, it was nice to have her be the focus. Everyone's going through it. But it was just interesting that she was the one that was the focus. I don't know what the... They just hadn't focused on her as much lately in that season. And so they thought, oh, let's toss this one to Beverly. Or I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that is interesting. Especially, like, uh, being an empath, like, it seems like Troy should have been able to notice something like, there's a lot of confusion that I'm sensing in the crew or something like that. But... uh Maybe her her uh, abilities aren't as uh, sort of diffuse as that. She has to like focus on a particular person. Yeah, I think she's. I feel like she's the most minor character of the main cast in this episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they do they do at least get. It's not like Travis Mayweather getting killed in like the first minute of the yeah, episode. He doesn't show up again. Like Twilight, <laughs> never, but, never mentioned ever again. Right, but he, but she does not like. Deanna doesn't have a lot of substantial stuff, as y'all are saying, throughout this uh, this episode. Uh, which brings us to the bridge, where she does have a line she says multiple times. Uh, which, Ro Loren is, like, inexplicably in this episode, as, like, Michelle Forbes is, like, uh, a prominent guest star. Uh, in this, se- this couple seasons, yeah. Yeah, and, and she, she... But it's kind of odd to me that she's in this episode but she doesn't really do anything other than like the most basic repetitive stuff again like she's she's a character who doesn't you think if they want if they brought in such a prominent uh guest star they would have given more to do but uh yeah uh, it's is she i is it i think season five is when they brought her in right that because she was sort of the preparation for the the maquis storyline so it might have just been that like you're going to be a regular for this and the next season, she does yeah. have five appearances in this in in uh, or she has eight appearances total, six of them in season five. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, um, it is interesting, and also the other interesting thing is that Riker like putting his leg up on top of the console every time. <laughs> he just loves, he loves to. And maybe maybe Data told him he likes it, and so. <laughs> He just tries to do it he, a lot is, for him. He know? is fully functional and uh, programmed in multiple <laughs> techniques. I mean, it's it would be less troublesome if Data said, hey, I like it when you put your foot up there. And then he did it rather than just him putting his foot up there all the time. Poor Data. <laughs> yeah, if my boss did that, I'd be like, can you not, please? Like, I'm Fine, trying- just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I mean, and, and we actually watched that video, Emily, that you found, where they had the bridge playing, the, the four bridge scenes all next to each other. Mm-hmm. It's on YouTube. And it's really obvious how much his leg is up there. <laughs> <laughs> also, but I, I did appreciate how, like, while the insides of those scenes are not perfectly timed, like sometimes different things happen at different moments, they all end on the explosion at the exact same time. So right. the overall length of each scene is the same. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, and that's that's some good directing, which, I mean, that makes sense. Jonathan Frakes does some good directing. But, um, yeah, but I just thought that was, I, I enjoyed watching and seeing the, or or seeing the places where they kind of overlap or the, mm-hmm. the things that they do to catch up so that it all ends at that explosion. With the exception of the last scene. The last scene is, and I timed it just out of curiosity um, when I was watching it. One of the times from the moment where Data says um, it's on a collision course you know, it'll collide with us in 36 seconds. And so I started my timer and it was actually only 21 seconds from when he said it. But then the last time when Data does the pause because he realized that he sees the three pips on um, on Riker's collar, that time it was uh, 40 seconds. So it actually was closer to the 36 seconds that Data said. Yeah, and... The the thing that I had a little bit of trouble with also in the bridge scene was that they that Picard when the ship is flying at them has time to like solicit two different opinions rather than just be like let's do something. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it that that is the one part of this episode to me that that just feels uh like it, it, someone said thirty six seconds and like 
please veer out of the way. Like somehow just start doing things. <laughs> like I'm not going to like pull everybody for like different, but like if you want to shoot some photon torpedoes at something, go ahead and do that. Like <laughs> we just like, we need to move somehow. Please just yeah. try. Yeah. Which, and, and again, the, the aspect of like the three, I mean, I, I think that's another weak point for me in this episode. Like the, I don't know I guess in the moment maybe that was the first thing that Data thought of was like I should just and his processors go so fast so he knows what he's gonna realize if he has to reference something later but I was like I would never figure it out the Enterprise would keep exploding and come out like 300 years in the future <laughs> well and especially because what he finally figures out is like at the very last second he's like oh this is the thing that's gonna right. save us if I were you know I send a message to pay attention to Riker you know yeah exactly like three pips there's barely time to enter it yeah yeah i'd be like three three oh yeah i want three snacks tonight yeah three cheetos <laughs> boom <laughs> but like you know uh it's good that there's uh there's mr data not me uh up there uh anything else from the story on this episode that you'll want to talk about in more detail no i i think i'm good i'm good there uh I think there's just one other thing I'll mention, which is that some of the scenes in this episode were filmed together. So, like, um, there are some differences in the scenes that happen at the same time. However, some parts of each scene were filmed only once, but with different camera, several different cameras, so they could switch the angle they were shown at. So, um, while they're not, it's not, like, entirely, like, them just playing the same video back at you several times... It is the same scene being acted in the same way in a, in a few of the lines. So I thought that was interesting. Another interesting little thing is uh, the USS Bozeman, uh, which is captained by Cap Captain by Captain Bates Bateson. Is that his name? Um, I don't even remember. I just remember it's Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> yep, Captain Bateson, who is Kelsey Grammer, who at this point was still. Dr. Fraser Crane, the guest star on Cheers, which was a massively popular sitcom that ended in 1993, the year after this episode ended. And of course, then he would go on to play Fraser in his own eponymous sitcom. So is this a backdoor pilot for Fraser then? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a better one than Enterprise or what, not. What's the one? Not Enterprise. What's uh, it Gary Seven. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Gary Seven. Yeah. Whatever that one was Assignment called. Earth. That's Assignment, Assignment Earth. Earth. It's better than that one. <laughs> Once throwaway scene in TNG is more of a backdoor pilot. <laughs> Well, but the interesting thing is, so so the the Bozeman is a it's it's a kind of modification of the Reliant, um, and mm -hmm. the chronology that that Bateson says places the their the Bozeman in between the the um, events of Motion Picture and Wrath of Khan, and we never hear about Bateson or the Bozeman ever again, and just finally the person standing next to him as I was watching this episode is like, he's got a Vulcan like standing next to him this is like super wrath of connie with savik and oh, it turns yeah. out they wanted kirstie alley who's also uh an actor in cheers by the way at the time they wanted her to reprise her role as savik in this episode which would have been really stupid because she oh, wouldn't have been able, able to yeah. shop in undiscovered county then <laughs> yeah it's like oh that's an amazing idea wait please don't do that idea <laughs> no undiscovered county sorry that that's um Oh, that's not Savick. Who's who's the one on Discovered County? Valeris. Yep. Uh, Valeris. Savick shows up in the search for Spock. So if she left before Undiscovered County, uh, when she's when Savick is a cadet, how can she show up on the Bozeman? But maybe if they had done that, they would have changed the timeline a bit to for it to for the Bozeman to be from after the search for Spock. So. Well, I don't know about any of you, but since you said Reliant, my ears are kind of itching and <laughs> kind of wigged out. City, this is City Alpha 5. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, uh, well, let us... Oh, one last thing. I, this, this is too good not to share. This is the first time a warp core being ejected is mentioned in Star Trek. And... Fans of Voyager will know and love the warp core ejection sequence, which we get to first see in that series. But it's the the first time it is referenced as a thing that happens is in this episode. So there we go. Um, 
All right, crew, let's uh, let's stick our necks out and give this episode a rating. Strange, what are your strange new ratings for cause and effect? Uh, I I think I'm gonna go ahead and give this one an eight. Like it, it's a uh, I like we said before. I think it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, they, it's sort of a, a classic way of dealing with with time travel now. Uh, so it's like an influential episode, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I was gonna give it um, slightly higher. What do I need to give it? A four point two five. Um, but i just it's just a fun episode like it i enjoyed watching it so it's i think it's extremely rewatchable and um you know i just kind of was thinking as i was watching it how fun it must have been for the actors to do this episode how fun it must have been for jonathan frakes to direct the episode um just trying to find different shots and you know he talked about all the different camera angles that he used um and it's just, you know, it doesn't, it's one of those episodes you can watch all on its own that doesn't, you don't have to do a deep dive. I, you know, and I, I kind of go on the other side of Adam's ratings where I'm, I'm at a seven. It's like, I think there are some things where it leaves me head scratching my head a little bit, but I, I'd watch this again and it's not, I don't think any of the flaws are so fundamental that it reduces my like overall enjoyment. So this seven out of 10 kind of hits the mark for me next week. Next week, we are going to watch Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. Say that about three times fast. Uh, it is the seventh episode from the first season of Star Trek Discovery. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And we will, we will watch it in preparation for next week's podcast. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. It's notable for being the only good episode with Harry Mudd in it. So <laughs> go ahead and watch that. I hate Harry Mudd. <laughs> Yeah, so bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, thank you, Emily. Thank you, Adam. As always, I enjoy the time we spend talking about Star Trek each week. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, and thanks yeah, for hosting thank us Notch. every single time, Notch. Of course. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Max and Dinah, wherever y'all are and whatever y'all are doing. I hope y'all are having a wonderful weekend. And thank you, listener, for joining us uh, as well. Uh, thanks, Yishnu Guha, for our theme music. Uh, we always appreciate hearing the Klingon theme strumming away uh, in the background. And um, special thanks to the people who made um, those little glasses, that were the cordial glasses. Emily mentioned they're not like funny shot glasses, they're cordial glasses. <laughs> Because really, I mean, you know, you, when, you, when you're not ready to have, like, you know, you look like a little too much of a drunk if you've got a little shot glass next to your bed and you don't want an entire <laughs> champagne fluid, you're not trying to flex that hard. You want something in between for that little tipple before you go to bed and, uh, you know, a cordial glass right there for you. So special thanks to, to the person who made the cordial glass. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.